I had my mum that would guide me a lot of the time, but I was yes. young and naive and I would push back on a lot of what she would say. Of course, yes. <laughs> you know, not that. to be rebellious, but because I thought, you know, I've worked in real estate, I've worked here, I've worked there. Yes, I worked in general real estate, you know, as a as a, as a resident. You can be rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> I, was. Oh, I think there's a little bit of rebellious. I there? was. Yeah, but, you know, working in general real estate and having an understanding of that versus property investment are two very different things. So I would say, you know, don't try and do things on your own. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name is Tabitha Bright, and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier. So, My guest today is Mel Alba. She's a property consultant with the coaching team here at Positive Real Estate. And we discuss how she bought her her very first property at 19, mixing property and romance, not always a match made in heaven, and some important lessons she's learned via trial and error developing property. So enjoy this conversation with Mel. Alrighty. Well, welcome to today's podcast. Today, I have uh, one of our fabulous team members, uh, Melissa Alba, joining me. And she's um, very generously agreed to share some of her investing journey. So we're going to have a candid chat today about some of what Mel's done, um, some of the lessons she's learned, and um, and certainly, you know, what she's done along the way. So, Mel, awesome to have you here. Thank you, Tab. I'm nervous, but I'm ready. <laughs> oh, well, you're a good sport. Um, you know, I have been roping uh, different team members in uh, from time to time, mainly because all of our uh, team at Positive Real Estate do get uh, free mentoring as part of their uh, uh, part of their packages, and we encourage all of our team to invest. And Mel is part of a family that are investors. That would be correct, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your mum is an avid, avid property investor, and her husband Charles is also like obviously involved in all sorts of stuff from development to property. So you've grown up around property um, and around your mum determined to make changes in her life and her circumstances. And um, and so you've witnessed all of that along the way, obviously, uh, and and started investing. So what age were you when you got your first property? Because you're 32 now. Because, I mean, you know, you could be any age. You could be... 20. <laughs> so, oh, so, you're thir- <laughs> so yep. you're 32. So when yep, did you I'm get your first property? I don't, I don't want to say that out loud, but I'm almost 33. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a right realization, really. <laughs> so when did you get your first property? Sorry. 19. 19. Yeah. Yeah. 
My goodness. So you started young. And Mel is one of a new um, a new wave that we're seeing. I was trying to think of the right word, where it's becoming more and more documented about young women going out and investing and really beginning to think about their financial future. So, you know, it's uh, kudos to you, Mel, because it's quite unusual to, you know, to start investing so young. Um, tell me a little bit about that property. What made you go buy it? What was your rationale? Um, well, well, there was a lot behind going into that property. So yeah, mum has always been in the property world. I remember being really young and going to the, when she worked for builders and being in the display centers with her on the weekend and, and doing my homework at the back while she was with clients. So I've always been around it and heard the language and helping how, how to help clients through that journey. But the reason why I went into property at such a young age isn't probably what you'd think. Um, my grandfather was really unwell um, with cancer when I was that Aww. age. And um, I needed to get my foot into the market at the time. It was still the first home buyer's grant was available in 2008. So just after the GFC. Mm. Um, so I bought it in 2009, but I started looking in 2008 um and yeah he wasn't very well my grandmother couldn't necessarily be with him full-time by herself um and my mom um she would come to and from different appointments and do a lot of the translations because we're Spanish um but I would be there to take him to the in-between appointments and do the medications and things like that and we were renting and it only made sense then to try and buy something so I had some help with my deposits to get into the property market but it was initially the motivation was behind was yes getting my, my foot in the door but equally trying to support the family right well that's interesting because um that is not what I expected <laughs> and so and so you bought that property so do you guys still have that property do you mind me asking is yeah, that yeah so um my mum actually bought it from me which then helped me get out of that property to then buy another property with um, one of my ex-partners. And oh. um, I then bought a house, put a DA in to extend it from a two bedroom to a four bedroom and add a granny flat. Oh. I now no longer have that property either. Oh. <laughs> So what happened? Tell us what happened. Um, well, from that, I then uh, yeah left that relationship and left that house. Um, and then oh, I had a bit of money. I had a little bit of money that I came out from, not all of it, of what I should. But I then started a a clothing label. I was in in um, yeah. I had so my you're own very um, entrepreneurial. Yeah, I I. I I could say I get it from my mum. Yeah. <laughs> your mum. She is. She's uh I'm very fond of your mum. I think she's a very, very special lady. And I will get her on, Amanda, just in case you're watching this. I will, <laughs> it's not a threat, it's a gift. I will get you on here to do an uh to do a podcast with me at some point when you're ready. Um, but Mel, so 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 just so I can work back where you were at. So you had obviously a partner you were pretty serious about, yeah. um, as happens, I sometimes don't work out. 
They don't. You're a bit of a romantic, I think, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> what I'm hearing in this. There was romantic in property, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, that curdle like yeah like milk and yeah. uh, lemon juice but um sometimes <laughs> it works in this case it didn't so you and your partner split um and and so the property had to be was it sold did he take it over how did that work he, he kept that and sold at a later date but that wasn't where my property journey ended I then after you know having a business and um hmm trialing how that went I went that went back into real estate which my background is real estate I've been in properties you know for the last 13 14 years mm-hmm. um, but basically I went back into working um, in the industry for um, a builder called Metricon actually ah. and I started seeing the development and getting my teeth sunk into a little bit more of what was happening in the market again and put aside my business and um, met a new partner and started a new property portfolio with him. Ah, okay. And so you bought some more property. You were now in the industry. You were working with Metricon. So you were getting a really good education and understanding of the house and land process, building development um was it with met invest or metricon themselves or a bit of both um, it was both actually i started off in the display center helping clients with knockdown rebuilds and custom homes and um yeah sometimes they'd bring their land to me and i'd, I'd package it up and do a geo site and yeah do the full tender with them and then when met invest launched in new south wales um i was part of that head of the team yeah Right. Okay. So then you took a lot of this knowledge and obviously backed by your mum's experience and knowledge and, um, and you turned this into more investing for you and you've now got a new partner um, <laughs> and um, you guys were, were serious yeah. and you decided to invest together. Yeah, we did. We did not just investments, but we also did developments together. Okay, so talk me through some of that stuff. Like, what sort of developments? Like big developments, small developments. Oh, I wouldn't say huge developments, but yeah. you know, in in the in the grand scheme of things, you're someone that's never experienced a development space where you're buying a block of land and going through the whole subdivision process, yeah, so project management, learning. Mm. Yeah, and building two homes at the same time. I had gone through renovation and an extension, but I'd never gone through the development space, and that's a whole other world. Mm. Um, and we had employed, you know, build cert and other private certifiers, you know, and we were liaising with them, but there was still a lot of work to be done and a lot of communication to go back and forth in between because obviously when you work with companies like that, you're not always their only client. And so when you want things to go smooth and faster you get involved (laughs) so and this is this is interesting because there's many people that like the idea of developing and when I talk to clients about developing I always ask them are you ready to run a business because there's property investing right and there's you know all of the strategies that go with that and then, which are essentially at the end, buy and hold. But then when you get into development, it's a very different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, and it really is running a business. You've got to obviously liaise, you've got to communicate, you've got to manage timelines, deadlines, costs, 
overruns, all of that kind of stuff, feasibility studies. Yeah. Yep. I needed all of a lot that. of buffers. Yep. Yep. Buffers, <laughs> contingencies. Yep. And so tell me, what were some of your lessons from some of your developing? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Uh, I probably have more learn? buffer, more of a buffer. Yeah. Buffer. Because the time frame for the DA to get approved took a lot longer than what I had thought. Um, where it was was in Oran Park in New South Wales, and mm. it's part of the Southwest Corridor. It's the reason why I selected that area was because it was near Badgerys Creek. It was going to be the next mm. um, opportunity for the next airport yep. by 2030, and we knew that there was a lot of like infrastructure going into that area, and Massive. the demographic was going to change. And it has. You look back now. I wish I kept it. <laughs> I don't have it anymore either. Um, but yeah, the lessons were probably buffers. I would say equally making sure that I'm, I'm looking at the timeline and, and taking that into consideration that it can blow out. Um, and I did my best to negotiate. I didn't actually go with Metricon. I went with Beechwood at the time, mm. just based on um, just what the build costs were. But if I had have actually had my time over, I would have gone with Metricon because by the time and just just to reiterate, I went with Beechwood at the same time as I was kind of getting the, the job and starting on with um, Metricon. So it all oh. kind of happened at the same time. Um, but essentially, if I had my time over, I would have gone with them purely because Beechwood didn't do a fixed price contract. Um, I ended up having blowouts. They didn't do the occupational certificate where, it, you know, you're actually able to get people to move in straight away. I had to get all of that done after with a private uh, certifier. So, you know, the landscaping and everything like that wasn't included. It, it just blew out. Yeah. So it wasn't um, what we call a true turnkey product. No. By any stretch of the imagination. Okay. And, and these are all the, you know, the traps that people fall into. And it's not that anyone was doing anything wrong. It was just, yeah, you pay for what you get, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and look, there's always negotiating. Everything's negotiable in my experience. Yeah. Um, but um, sometimes the cheapest doesn't equal the best or the most value in the long run. So that was definitely a lesson. So another lesson I'm hearing, which you haven't said anything about, is um, holding. Holding oh. versus selling. Yes. If I had my chance to hold property, I would have definitely held on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't get the opportunity to just from different aspects. I wanted yeah. to move forward in another area of my life and I wasn't able to, so I would sell. So, yeah, I've never had the um, opportunity really to hold property. But if I could I, I have mm -hmm. my time over again, I definitely would have. Yeah. Um, I ended up buying, um, I'd say, five, five and a half properties with my last partner. Yeah. Um, so two of them were, were those. We bought a unit in Brisbane that was an older property. Oh, yes. Um, which, um, yeah, didn't get, we didn't have the opportunity for depreciation. So if I had my time again, I wouldn't have bought that one either. <laughs> right. So there's, there's, there's been some lessons around trial and error. Yeah. Definitely. And, most successful investors I know, if they haven't been part of a coaching program or had a mentor in the background, we all, myself included, learn by trial and error. 
-hmm. and it's a painful way to learn because it can add a few years onto your journey you're very fortunate because you started so young yeah so where somebody might start at 40 40 for an example and then learn by trial and error and retire at 65 you've had a lot of those lessons early on so you're able now with the value of hindsight to readjust your strategy, right? And I know at the moment that you're, you've got a house and land that you're doing in Brisbane. So awesome market. Um, yeah. <laughs> when, did you, when did you go into that? Because that was a wee while ago now, wasn't it? It was like 12 months ago? Yeah, so I, um, with, my, with my last partner, basically divided all, like I tried to divide all the assets, but I just, I couldn't financially take on everything. So I yeah. was able to get valuations and basically get bought out of those properties. And then with the funds that I had available, I yeah. was able to go into Polara in Brisbane. Um, and I went into that. So I started from scratch. My portfolio was all gone. <laughs> Didn't get to hold anything. Had to start from scratch. Right. You live and you learn, as you said. So March last year, um, I went into Polara in Brisbane. Yeah. Fantastic. So you've got that under your belt and you should have seen some good growth in that. Do you, do you have you got yeah. any idea how much it's gone up? I have a, a little bit of an idea, you know, there's been, there's been obviously a lot of uh, delays within, within the market with COVID and yeah. supplies and materials. So I'm on the same journey as the clients and a lot of the time they know I'm in the deal. So they're like, what's going on with this and what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Cause they're having the waiting time game. overruns, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the good yeah. thing is I'm able to have that conversation and say, look, we've just recently had packages come through that are, you know, a, a slightly smaller block of land between 800 and 850 you know, yep. you purchased around the same sort of time I did for 638. Wow. The uplift we've had in 12 months. That's massive, Mel. It is massive, yeah. That is massive. Um, so congratulations because you've taken, you know, what you were able to retain out of your portfolio. Lessons aside, like, you know, we all have lessons. So I, I think what's always impressed me with you and your mum knowing you two for quite a while now is your resilience and you are very very good at going you know what that's happened it's happened can't do anything about it this is what I'm doing now and yeah. you don't let it stop you which is a unique skill <laughs> You know what? I actually didn't realize it was a unique skill until late, but yeah, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> I learned it from my mother. <laughs> you beautiful mom. Um, we should get her on, really, shouldn't we? We should just. I won't, am I won't ambush her. <laughs> Tempting, but I'm not going to. You can blame um, me, Tab. That's fine. <laughs> I'll save her for another episode. Um, and one of the things you mentioned that I think a lot of people have happened and it's either something that you can work with or it's something that you can't work with. One of the things you mentioned, like I was teasing you before about being a bit of a romantic, right? And you mentioned to me that one of the challenges has been that not everyone that you've been around is like-minded. 
Mm -hmm. So when you have a significant other that doesn't see property, doesn't see the goals, doesn't see the journey in the same way that you do, it, it can cause challenges and it can get in the way of, um, you know, being able to hit your goals and move forward. Was there anything that you wanted to to talk through in that? Because I know I coach a lot of clients and many of them express similar challenges mm. um, and it's something that people don't talk about sometimes mm. yeah I actually work with a couple of different clients myself now as a PC that are in that space mm. and I resonate with with where they're at and I level with them about my experience in that space yep. and I think yep. it's really important for couples before they go into any any big investment to really be on the same page yeah um, and my challenges were that my partner we had the money um we had the finance capacity yep. and with servicing yep. um he would procrastinate and he would sit on his hands and think I'm gonna wait for the next opportunity I'm gonna wait for the next opportunity I'm gonna wait for the next opportunity and I'd be like hmm. you know yes you you can you know my grandfather used to say look if you miss this bus there's another one coming yes that's the case <laughs> yes. the opportunity to get into the door now why would you wait? Because the time that you're out of the market is the time that you're out of the market. It costs you. It does. Exactly. And so yeah. um, there would be friction around that because he would feel that I was trying to force him to do something against his will. And that wasn't my intention. Yeah. So I don't know whether, whether or not it was maybe my languaging or whether or not it was just legitimately that he had a lot of fear about the unknown. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Probably all yeah. of the above. Yeah, all the above, probably. Yeah. 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 And and procrastination often is um just another word for fear. Uh and sometimes we don't like calling it fear. So we'll call it analysis paralysis or you know, something similar. He definitely, definitely had that because I would give him all the information and he would he would look at all the spreadsheets, he'd look at this, look at that, look at the return, look at this, and he'd go, No, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And he'd, you know. <laughs> <laughs> start deep diving yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah and when we coach people what's really interesting is um one of the things I teach the coaches is when you're going through goals with clients always where possible get them to do their goals separately individually and it, it's okay to have different goals you don't have to have everything the same or be on the same page with everything yeah. But when we do the goals and we're talking to clients, what we're looking for is, is there any potential conflict? Like somebody wants, one partner wants to buy the family home. It's really important to them. One partner wants to invest instead. So we'll, sometimes we'll see these clashing goals that as coaches, we have to navigate because like you so rightly said, if you're not on the same page going into something financially, it's this whole push me, pull you, and mm. you end up just going around in circles, right? Or doing the crazy eights because yeah. one of you is not having their needs met and one of you is trying to move forward and it's this kind of constant friction. Yeah. Um, I think too, Tab, people that are in relationships, depending mm. on how long they've been with each other, they almost lose their individuality sometimes. And so... Oh. When, when, when they're coming to, to a group like ourselves mm. or, you know, anything in life that they might be approaching together, they kind yep. of look to the other person to sometime make the, like, 
answer the question for the other person mm. deep down they actually don't agree with it and want to have use their voice they know so. but they don't and frustrations come out later mm. so i think it's really important that when a couple comes into any form of property that they really are doing something that equally makes them happy do you know what mm. i mean it really needs to resonate with with them and equally their goals yeah yeah absolutely Often I find a really useful tool is I get people to just tell me a number out of one and 10. I just say, so, <laughs> so you've both said, you know, sometimes it comes in the form of a question. Mm-hmm. The couple will say to me, oh, so should we, <laughs> the old should, should mm-hmm. we invest or should we buy our home? What should we do first? And that's where the number is really useful. It's like, okay, so tell me on a number one to 10, 10 being life and death importance to you, zero being not important at all. How do you feel about buying your home? And one person will say eight and the other will say four. And it's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's really um, useful. It's great. Oh, I'll use that. (laughs) It is a very good It's really useful. No, no, it's 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 just getting people to put to rate a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes it's hard to express it. Mm. Yeah, but when they hear it out aloud and they realize, oh, maybe we're not on the same page with it, is when you can see what work needs to be done to get them on the same page, and that's part of the coaching process. And I actually. I love that about clients because I'm equally vulnerable with them about my experiences and yeah. then they reciprocate with their vulnerability and share what their fears may be and, and so forth. So I actually like when we get to the root of the cause in that situation. I don't see it as a challenge. I see it as something that we can work through. Absolutely. No, it, it is important. And so for somebody beginning their invest investment journey, what would you say to that person? Somebody, they might be a little bit scared. They might be uncertain. What would you say? Um, I would definitely like, and this is not me saying it because I'm now here as a, as a team <laughs> member in positive real estate. May I just add, you know, I had my mom that would guide me a lot of the time, but I was yeah. young and naive and I would push back on a lot of what she would say. Of course, yes. <laughs> you know, not that. to be rebellious, but because I thought, you know, I've worked in real estate, I've worked here, I've worked there. Yes, I worked in general real estate, you know, as a as a, as a resident. You can be rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> I, was. Oh, I think there's a little bit of rebellious. I there. was. Yeah, but, you know, working in general real estate and having an understanding of that versus property investment are two very different things. So I would say, you know, don't try and do things on your own. You know, there are, there is a lot of different education out there, but make sure that you're getting someone that is experienced that's going to educate you themselves and making sure that you're going in with an open mind and equally you may be, um, you might not hear everything that you want to hear. So, you know, you might go in there with an intention of I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. And then you review your servicing or you review what your deposits are and your yeah. bufflers and you're told, look, you've got to go away and work mm. on that and come yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's actually really true, Mel. And it's, um, it's something that is quite tricky from a coaching perspective 
mm. is that people often think when they come into a program like ours that they know what they need. They want to know where to buy or they want to know, um, you know, what market or, or whatever the question might be. Often what they need is not what they think they need. Mm. And so it's that there is a coaching technique called aligning and redirecting. Because often if you were to meet somebody and say, well, no, you don't need that. You need this. People are like, you don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So often it's about acknowledging where somebody's at, working through the question they have, but at the same time, redirecting them to make sure that they understand that there's this other stuff that they're going to need in order to invest successfully. And it's a, it's a little bit of art and a lot of science um, coaching. <laughs> it, is, it really is, yeah. It, it really is. So thank you for raising that because I haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. Um, and it's something that I am proud that the team do. You know, they do really, really well. And so as a final wrap-up question for you, if you could give your younger self some advice Knowing what you know today, what would you say to young Mel, 19-year-old Mel, <laughs> about to buy the family home? That's a deep question, Tab. <laughs> well, it's my um, standard I don't know podcast. How deep Why do I have to just <laughs> <laughs> well, What I would you say? say and, and, you know, going back to the, when I said at the beginning, saying mm. 53 out aloud, it's weird for me to hear that and I'm obviously conscious that you're older there's a lot of older listeners I'm not worried about you know getting older I'm you know embracing it but I just feel like <laughs> I've I've honestly had this thing in my mind that time is against me with different things in my life because I'm not married I don't have children um and that journey hasn't necessarily started for me so sometimes I have rhetoric in my mind around timing but what I'm going to tell my younger self is don't be worried about the time. Just, you know, continue yeah. to be bullish with your needs and wants and do things that actually make you happy. Try to yeah. do less, try to do less of what makes other people happy and really follow what makes you happy. You know, that at the end of the day, yeah. I did do a lot of things and I, and I don't regret buying that property at 19 to help my grandfather like yeah, that was a special time for me yeah um, but if I had my time over with letting go of properties and things like that I definitely would have told myself just to probably just take a step back and not feel like you're in a rush to do things and you know there is time time is on your side and you don't need to have everything figured out um, yeah. when it comes to property, probably making sure that I'm going into things more open-minded and looking at the pros and the cons more. I think I had this mentality that oh, everything's going to be dandy and rosy and <laughs> everything's going to work in my favor. And a lot didn't. And yeah. I was very disheartened when it didn't, because I didn't have contingencies or buffers in place. And, um, emotionally down. it set me yeah. backwards because of the financial pressure in some, uh, mm. you know, sometimes. So yeah yeah it's hmm. probably what I'd get tell myself just slow down you relax. I cannot imagine you slowing down <laughs> just relax you don't you don't need a it's not a race you know yeah yeah no look one of your skill sets is how motivated you are 
Um, you can't keep you down. You, um, I'm trying to think of an analogy what you like, but um, you're very, very hard, hard to slow down. I, I know when you ring in sometimes, say you're not feeling well. I'm like, Mel, stop, put your feet up, rest, don't do any work, get better, see you on the other side. And you're like, no, 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 I'll just do. <laughs> you don't stop. <laughs> it's one of your gifts. But um, I do hear what you're saying about being very specific about where you're spending your energy, about what you want, about being clear with other people about what you want and what fills you up and what is important. And, um, and I think from there, when we learn to speak um, the stuff that is important to us, we start to move everything in a path that works better for us. Definitely. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I think awesome. I'm only just learning that now, <laughs> believe it or oh. not. Listen, you're 20 years earlier than me. <laughs> really just realizing all of that now that, you, you know, if you're happy, everything else around you will work out. Hey. Yeah. Because right. if, you, if you just kind of just sit on the sideline and give a little bit of your cup from this person to that person, this person, yeah. you know, you end up very depleted. So always going into goals, making sure that you're happy and yeah, you're achieving the goals that you want to, whether or not it's within property or in life. But if you're a couple, you know, making sure you're ticking off the, the things that you want to do as an individual equally as well as a couple, for sure. 100%. 100%. Ooh. Two two holes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, my love, thank you so much. Um, much appreciated. And I know it'll be inspiring, especially for a lot of the, um, younger people that are looking to get out there and, and give it a crack. And, and I think some of the lessons from today um, that Mel has been so candid about is just be clear on what you're doing, make sure you've got contingencies, um, make sure you have an exit plan. Um, holding is um, often preferable to selling. Sometimes you have to sell. That's how it is. That's life. Mel's been very proactive in taking that and then putting it back into the market. And this last deal that she's done um, is certainly reaping the rewards, which is awesome. So congratulations, hun, and um, all the best. Thanks for, for having future. me, Tom. Thank you for being here. And now I'll just go rope your mum in. <laughs> Good luck with that. If you need any help, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to take you up on that. Well, much love. Thank you so much. And, uh, and that's it for now. Thanks, Mel. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing, and bye for now.